Good morning, church. How we doing? Pretty good? That's such a happy song for the content of the words. Have you ever noticed that? That's great. And Josh, thank you for the communion meditation. I know you said we weren't supposed to compare, but when you said those words, who is that new fool up there? Something twitched inside of me, so anyway. If you are visiting with us, we are thrilled to have you here and uh, love to have visitors. We are growing as a family in faith and what it means to be a community united in love in Jesus Christ. We are learning what discipleship is. Uh, we are learning how to share our lives more fully with each other. We are very much a work in progress. So if you're visiting, just, just take us from, the, from that perspective as uh, we are a work in progress with the Lord. Uh, Jonathan's mom is here also visiting, which is great. So she is a, a praying woman, but she's caught in that tough place She's so sad. Her kids are gone away to Oregon, and yet she's so proud of them at the same time and the work that they're doing on behalf of the kingdom. So if you get a chance, you can go meet her. She's a lot of fun. So we are continuing our series this morning, The Hidden Music of John's Gospel, and we are wrapping up. We have gone through the Book of Signs, and we are deep now within the Book of Glory, the the things that display the glory of God. And uh, we saw Jesus last week in front of the Jewish authorities, the high priest, Annas and Caiaphas, and he was facing the charges that they were throwing his way. And now we shift a little bit, so we continue with Jesus being led to the Roman civil authorities. Uh, And he had to go before Pilate because... Uh, capital punishment in Rome was something that they claimed the exclusive rights to. Uh, And the fourth gospel narrative is also interesting in John because there are some things that are a little bit different from uh, the other gospels. In other gospels, you have more of the story of uh, appearing before Herod, King Herod. And here we get an extended dialogue, rather, of this interaction with Pilate. So we find more information about Pilate than any of the other Gospels combined. Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor, and by now it was early morning. And to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover So again, we know that John is thick with irony. And there there are these Jewish leaders who are concerned with ceremonial cleanliness to show their zeal for the Lord, to honor God, even while they're trying to have God killed because they don't recognize Him. The question for us that we need to ask ourselves sometimes is, in my zeal for God, am I blind to the things and the people that are close to the heart of God? That's a good question for us to ask sometimes. And the way I'm doing things, the way I understand truth, is it actually moving me further away from loving people and loving God's people well? I'm not saying that there's there's a tension there. 
but we have to ask ourselves that question sometimes. So not only do the Jewish leaders use the law, the perfect God-given law, to crush Jesus, but they use it in a political sense as well. There's a, a, a struggle going on between nations that is displayed in this text. They will not enter the palace of the Roman political authority, but instead they force the representative of Caesar to come out and meet them on their own terms. So Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. So right off the bat, we get some glimpse into the animosity between the Jewish, uh, the Jewish religious leaders and the Roman authorities. There's a power struggle taking place between worldviews, between cultures, between nations. And Pilate knew that the Jews wanted Jesus dead but they didn't have the authority to order his death sentence. So in the political brinkmanship taking place, first the Jews force Pilate to come out, and now Pilate is forcing the Jewish leaders to acknowledge his authority. And the right of capital punishment, such as crucifixion, was a power that Rome claimed exclusively for themselves. But John says this happened so that the words Jesus had spoken, indicating the kind of death he was going to die, would be fulfilled. Now we've seen Jesus telling his disciples this throughout John's gospel, and they never understood. And they're nev they, never, they never are happy with Jesus when he starts talking this way. Chapter 3, verse 14 and 15 very early in the gospel, he said, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Chapter 8, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be, and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. Chapter 12, Excuse me. But when I but I when I am lifted up from the earth will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death that he was going to die. All along Jesus has been preparing his disciples for the events that are now unfolding. And once again, Jesus, he never wavers but continues to walk the path before him with complete faith and complete trust in his Father. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked? Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. It was your own people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? 
So Pilate goes, he's in this kind of ridiculous situation. He's forced to come out to address the Jewish leaders. And now he has to run backstage again. So he's front stage, backstage. And this whole drama as it unfolds is going on. So Pilate runs backstage again to try to figure out who this person Jesus is. What is the nature of this person? What is the nature of his kingship? Is it a threat to Rome? But now Jesus, in a sense, he becomes the interrogator. The prisoner in front of Herod, or in front of Pilate, now becomes a judge, so to sense. And again, remember that the questions that Jesus asks, they always tend to reveal the hearts of the people that answer them. So it seems, even just in the response that he has here, that Pilate despises and distrusts the Jews. Yet he is being for he's not happy with this situation, but he's being forced to give in to their demands. So Jesus goes on to define the nature of his kingdom. And the nature of the kingdom of Jesus is very different than anything Pilate, the Jews, or the disciples even understand a kingdom to be. Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews, but now my kingdom is from another place. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. First, Jesus does not have to contend for the kingdom with human combat and war. All of the, the, the regular things you think we think we need to run a kingdom, Jesus doesn't need any of that. Because the reality of the kingdom of God is beyond the reach of what anyone can do in order to harm it, in order to destroy it. The kingdom of God is not a failed plan, but it is the reality that will one day swallow all reality. It's good for us as a church to remember this because the kingdom is where God's will is what is done. God's will is not being done in this place, in this situation, this mockery of a trial, so God's kingdom is not there. But as a church, as individuals, we are invited to participate in the kingdom of God, bringing the will of God into our lives. The model prayer, Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. But it also means that this kingdom of Jesus, it's also bigger than other kingdoms. It's bigger than Rome. It's bigger than the Jewish nation or its leaders. The kingdom is bigger than individuals. It's bigger than groups or organizations or political powers. The kingdom of God cannot be harmed. It cannot be manipulated, intimidated, or destroyed. So, Jesus also accepts this title of king now. 
Interesting, isn't it? This is not the first time that the people have tried to make Jesus king. After the miraculous feeding of the 5,000, John tells us Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain beside, a mountain by himself. You see, Jesus, he rejects this notion of being a king by force. And now the Son of Man reveals the heart of God as he displays to the whole world the actions of a king of love. A king of love who wills the good of his Father. A king of love who wills the good of all of God's creatures. But in the hidden music of John's Gospel, there is, a, there is a larger context of kingship that is being alluded to. Kingship has a bigger story and meaning than the events of today's text. And we're invited to reflect on, I think, this larger context of kingship. There is a story that I think in particular comes to mind of God being rejected as the king of Israel. In 1 Samuel chapter, t- chapter 8, the people cry out for an earthly king and say, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all other nations with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. And the Lord said to Samuel, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected but they have rejected me as their king. They have rejected me as their king. And when the Father gives the Son in the wonder and mystery of the Incarnation to be a king in the flesh, God is being rejected again. You see, Jesus becomes the king of the Jews not in power, in the worldly sense of power. He becomes a king in rejection, in humiliation, and in self-sacrificial love. And then Jesus, He goes on to start talking about His kingship in terms of testifying to the truth. Truth about the nature of God. Truth about what the kingdom of God is like. The truth that God is love. God is love. Pilate's answer with another question. What is truth? Pilate asked. You see what Pilate says in sarcastic and dismissive tones. It really is a good question. Pilate abruptly turns away from Jesus' testimony. Either because he is convinced that there is no answer. Who can know what the truth is? Or more likely, he just doesn't want to hear what Jesus has to say. See, when we talk about issues of truth, we often couch our discussion in philosophical terms. Can truth really be known for sure? 
or in passive-aggressive tones that, you know, that may be true for you, but it's not true for me. It's not my truth. But it's a bluff. It's a bluff because we run from the truth because we don't oftentimes want to hear what the truth says. Humanity runs from the truth because truth humbles us. Truth brings us to places where we realize our own powerlessness, we realize our own imperfections, we realize our own need for help. So because of this, a lot of people think of the truth as whatever I want it to be and whatever I can reasonably get away with. We resist God's claim to the truth because it shines a light on the untruth in our own lives. Do you want to know if you are on the side of truth? Are you standing with Jesus? Are you doing the work of Jesus? Because if you have the truth, then you have Jesus. That's the real thing. And if you have Jesus, then you have the truth. The claims that Jesus makes, they seem audacious to this world. Almost arrogant. The words of a megalomaniac. Who are you to try and tell me what the truth is? Who are you indeed? Because if Jesus really is who he says he is, if Jesus really is God, then everything changes. If Jesus really is the way, the truth, and the life, then nothing stays the same. Nothing stays the same. With this, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? See, Pilate, he's not unaware of the power games of the Jewish religious authorities, what they're playing with him. In Mark 15.10, it says that Pilate knew that it was out of envy Jealousy that the chief priests had handed Jesus over to him. But if Pilate really was a man of moral character and integrity, this would have been the end of the conversation. And Jesus would have been released. I find no basis to charge him. That's the end of it. And although Pilate was rigid and a powerful man, he was also weak on the inside in some ways. Commentary I was reading said this, both from biblical and extra-biblical sources, historians have come to know him, Pilate, as a morally weak and vacillating man who, like many of the same breed, tried to hide his flaws under shows of stubbornness and brutality. But in the hidden music of John's Gospel, Pilate, I think, is also an archetype for us who portrays a very real human predicament, a predicament that we all have to face, in which we must choose between Jesus or the world. 
See, Pilate, he's trying to choose Jesus and the world. He's trying to set Jesus free, and he's trying to placate the Jewish leaders at the same time. You know, the question for us, not one of us can get through this life without having to make this choice again and again. Will you choose the rejection and the shame of associating yourself with Jesus Christ? Or the praise of this world for selling out Jesus? You know, the way that we do this, though, is a lot of us, we sell out Jesus not by our actions, but by our silence. Never speaking or acting on behalf of Jesus. But Pilate's plan for releasing Jesus backfires, and instead the Jewish leaders incite the mob to cry out for a criminal who is a known insurrectionist and terrorist. <coughs> they shouted back, No, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. So Pilate then tries another angle to save Jesus and at the same time placate the mob and their desire for blood by having Jesus flogged. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns. They put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him on the face. A Roman flogging or scourging, it was no small thing. The flails that they would use, they would have a bit of metal or bits of bone. So when they scourged the back, it would both bludgeon and tear off bits of flesh. And although we don't know the exact nature of the severity of this flogging, it was sufficiently severe that they had to find someone to help Jesus carry the cross. He was no longer capable of carrying it himself. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. And when Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here's the man. Here's the man. Here is the man, the gift of God's love. Here is the man who they could not accept. Here is the man who is mocked now in shame. Here is the man who every man and every woman must face. Here is the man who stands judged by a perversion of justice. Here is the man who will be raised to judge all. Here is the man. But as soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted out, Crucify! Crucify! See, the outcry for the torture and death of Jesus seemed completely disproportionate to the situation at hand. 
But there's this perfect storm of events that are taking place. Political brinkmanship, religious zeal, the embarrassment Jesus caused the Jewish leaders in an honor-shame culture. And the historical circumstances that are recorded are just the narrow view of a much larger spiritual battle that's taking place. This is the fulcrum of all human history. And even the form of death that they demanded, crucifixion, it was to slander the reputation of Jesus. They were going to give him a criminal's death in a way that portrayed Jesus as an enemy of God. He saved other people. He cannot even save himself. Scriptures tell us that cursed is any man who hangs on a tree. This is from Deuteronomy. If someone has committed a crime worthy of death, and is executed and hung on a tree, the body must not remain hanging from that tree overnight. You must bury the body that same day. For anyone who is hung is cursed in the sight of God. We are going to turn Jesus into a curse. They were trying to fulfill prophecy. Jesus Christ, the gift of God, was taken by the people of God and portrayed as accursed by God. But Deuteronomy is not the only prophecy that's being fulfilled in this moment. There was also a little-known and often misunderstood prophecy from the book of Isaiah that says this, we turned our backs on him. We looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness that we cared. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was opposed and treated harshly. Yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before its shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. Written hundreds of years before the events that were now taking place. Jesus Christ, the gift of God, is taken by the people of God and portrayed as accursed by God and now becomes the sacrificial lamb of God. Well, in Matthew's account of what's taking place here, Pilate, he wants nothing to do with this death of Jesus. 
and tries to absolve himself and washes his hands in front of Jesus' accusers. And he says, I am innocent of this man's blood. He says, it is your responsibility. And all the people in that crowd that day, they answered, let his blood be on us and on our children. Let his blood be on us and our children. Kill this man. funny, the very words that humanity shouts in this moment of fear and arrogance and pride and presumption. Let his blood be on us and on our children. In the end, these words fulfilled, these words fulfilled become the, the salvation of humanity. These words that are spoken in fear and hatred and anger. Later on they become words that are spoken as a whisper and a prayer. And with reverence. As a humble request to our God. Let his blood be on us. Let his blood be on us and our children. kind of glory that is being revealed in Jesus Christ is unlike anything this world has ever seen. His greatness is portrayed now in His love, in His humility, in His willingness to be sacrificed, in His unwavering trust that God is good. And I can do what God wants me to do no matter what. That is the glory of God that's being displayed, which we celebrate as disciples of Jesus Christ. So these are kind of heavy words. This is heavy activities that are coming uh, leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus. But there's also beauty in these words. There's truth that the Holy Spirit speaks into your own heart and your own lives as we examine and look at ourselves. What are the ways that I have been complicit in the death of Jesus Christ? What are the ways that I have sought to have everything my own way? What are my own sins that Jesus took upon Himself as He goes to face His death? Those also are questions it can change a life and change the direction of a life. So whatever your needs are this morning, I don't know how these words strike you. Uh, we are trying to become a church of prayer. We want to be involved enough in each other's lives that we can be in constant prayer for each other. So if you want to come forward and share something on your heart, share uh, something that you would like this congregation, this family of Christ to be praying about for you, you can do that while we stand and sing.